There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. It's bursting with fruit flavor, no added sugar, and all smiles. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible. And with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on my favorite shows with. Yes, Lil Bowen. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, keeping me feeling great all day long. You deserve that. Try new Bubbly Burst. Do you want to boost the economy like Taylor Swift? Do you want to run a business empire like Rihanna? Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Canva presentations might be the most visually impressive presentations you'll ever use. Start with a stunning template, use it as a springboard for your design, add images, graphics, charts, and data visualizations from the massive media library. It's easy to wow any audience with Canva presentations. Canva presentations are perfect for any deck you want to design for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can nail their presentation with Canva presentations. Perfect, record, and share a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. You'll appear in a video as a talking head on the slide, and it's the perfect solution if you can't be present in person or if time zones are tricky. Nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Look, man. There. Oh, I see. Wow. Oh, and look over there. Wow. Is that oh, culture? Oh, yes. My goodness. Oh, wow. Yeah. Las Culturistas. Ding dong. Las Culturistas calling. Mm hmm. I can tell you will have emotions. You've. She's got you feeling emotions. She's got me feeling emotions. In fact, I have to just do this right now because it's such a happy occasion. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It got oh! all over me. It got all over me. It got me. all over her. But that's actually okay, because this is such a... My, I popped a little bottle of champagne <laughs> for everyone at home, and it just got all over me because we are celebrating today. New York Times bestseller. The New York Times bestseller that is now my favorite book. is It's more than just a book to me. It's a piece of living history. It's a historical document. Mm. The Meaning of Mariah Carey. And today we're going to do The Meaning of Mariah Carey Book Club. I can't wait for this. I was looking forward to this all week. The only person I would finish a book for <laughs> on a week like this for two people, you and Mariah. Go back like babies are pacifier. Fires. Oh, we have to talk about. Oh, we sure do. But what a genius. First of all, can we just say a genius for wanting to include ODB in that track and directing the music video? This whole thing warrants its own conversation. So I think what, let's, let's get let's to that. Let's wait. Let's but wait. I just wanted to ask you because yes. I kind of threw this out there last week um, and I wasn't sure if you'd want to do it because I know that you don't have the most time because you guys are hashtag in season at SNL and I know that you're not um, historically as big of Mariah fan or a lamb as I am but I'm not and I wasn't in the lamely 
I feel like I have a profound understanding and appreciation and admiration for Mariah Carey now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's truly, I feel a little bit transformed. Should we just get into it? What, what, what do you think? We I would do? love to hear from you what your broad impressions were. I want to hear everything that you experienced while reading the book. I want to know what you felt. I, I, I'm, I'm, I have, we have not spoken about it at all. I only saw your twit, twit, your tweet earlier today saying that you loved it so. So please tell me everything. Well, I like you. I saw your tweet and you had said that you were in actual real tears finishing the book. And I was like, oh God, Mm -hmm. I I bet she just really dazzles you with the ending. And boy, did she. Mm -hmm. Got really fucking emotional because I um, just, this was the week that I needed to like hear all of that. I think I'm going to say something crazy and truly I will allow people to like come for my head when I say this, especially the beginning it read like a, a modern day Toni Morrison book. It mm-hmm. read like something so like, to borrow a phrase from Asia O'Hara, like etched in sorrow. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Her name was etched in sorrow and now it's flashing, flashing and lights. Flashing and lights, really. Mm-hmm. You see Michaela Angela Davis's name on the cover and you're, you're like, okay, she's being very upfront about having a ghostwriter. Good for her. But like from the beginning, you read, the, you read this book and you're like, okay, there's so much raw detail here and specific detail here that it could only have come from her. And she's an artist and she's a writer. She's, she, she's good with words. It's like, I'm willing to say that she probably wrote a majority of this book mm-hmm. and probably like, and she's friends with Miss Davis and mm-hmm. is just like, okay, like, why don't you get this credit? But like so much of it can only, could only have come from her. That's mm-hmm. my thought. Yeah. I think it's always interesting whenever people want to have the conversation about how much of it was quote unquote, actually written by the yeah, artist yeah. or the person at the center. Because for me, it's like, there's no doubt in my mind being the lifelong. And I mean, lifelong fan that I am of Mariah that this sounds like her is completely in her voice and the thing about her is the fans know that she really does write all of her music and so or the vast vast majority of her music and lyrically this sounds like her you know what I mean like in terms of the prose of it all you know maybe it wasn't all totally authentically coming from only her but this is her voice you know what I mean like this and this this book impressed me so much because it, it got across, um, it was such beautiful writing, but yet it yeah. also did sound like her the whole way through. For me, reading this was very, it actually was very emotional for me. Of course, of course. And I was thinking of you the whole time. And I'm, so before you keep going, I'm sorry. I just, I, I think it's worth pointing out that you and I are as old as her career. I'm not as <laughs> old, but it's like, she's, it's, it's, it's MC30. Like we're 30 years old. It's like, like Vision of Love came out when we were, the year we were born. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like that has some, I don't know, like coincidental meaning, but it's like, that's, that's important, I think. Yeah, to me, like weirdly numerically, Mariah always seems to line up with me. Like, and I'll say, I said it on the podcast last week, but I will say definitively, I have so gone back and forth on this question over the years doing this podcast. And when we pose this question to other guests, it's always in the back of my mind. But for me, the culture that made me say culture was for me is and was Mariah. And so this was really like an extremely up and down experience for me to read this because she really has, like, her music really has been there for me, like, through my entire life. And I mean, I could get into specifics as we as we go through it, but, you know, hearing that she struggled as much as she did, and she came from the place that she came from, and it was, you know, 
her passion and talent and love for what she was doing that was really the only thing that saved her and yeah. got her to where she is, which is one of the greatest of all time. Um, it was just extremely inspiring. And uh, while I was so devastated for her in the in the dark parts of this book, I obviously recommend it to everyone because this is a book not only about like triumph over struggle, it's it so reveals and explores so many themes in her life that are so specific to her and yet can feel so universal while yeah. also being a total celebration of her music and of music in general that any music fan would love this book and anyone with an understanding which is with an even a vague understanding of who Mariah Carey is I think would be enriched in reading it because it's like truly like a human triumph I can't say enough about what this book means to me and what she means to me and what her all of her music means to me and always has. I love that. And I will say as someone who is only really getting the media packaged version of her narrative mm -hmm. from the sidelines, just being like, oh, okay, she got married to that Sony guy. Mm -hmm. My sort of downloading of Mariah Carey has only been secondhand. And that I did not put in the work myself to be like, okay, what is what is she about? Like, what is informing this behavior? Because some of the behavior is like fun and silly and juicy and like, oh my God, isn't she being such a diva? But like all of it, and I mean all of it makes sense to me now. All of it yeah. down to down to the I don't know her of it all, like that fully tracks in my in my sort of thinking now and it's like oh yes of course this is how you would sort of approach this and of course you were traumatized mm -hmm. by the way that your career was sabotaged at the hands of your ex-husband who then yeah. like went behind your back and then like gave swiped you twice in order to give this other artist like you know like a moment a thing whatever and i'm just like okay this all makes sense to me now and even if like even if anyone out there I haven't really read this. I feel like it is pretty universally being acclaimed, this book. Yeah. But even for someone who's just like, well, it's probably like a really strategic sort of PR thing and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, no, like this is something, this is like a fully contoured illustration of her life, I think. Oh, it's passionately written and written yes. with care and detail and research into her own family history. I mean, yeah. this, is a, this is a labor of love, you can tell. And I will say, she has, I listened to the audiobook, so did you. She mm -hmm. has yet again changed the game in a, in a new medium because the audiobooks are not going to be the same now after this. No, because, you're right. Because you're right. 100%. Because Girl, you have done it again. Jester, Jester you have you done, have it, done again. it again. And I also say Jester because she's so funny throughout funny. this book. So funny. And I love when she cracks herself up. And there's just moments in the book where she starts singing. There's a particular re refrain that is like really important to Lambs, which is the opening of Close My Eyes, which is da 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 da. And like when she, when that jumped out in that moment where she's in the bath, when that jumped out, when that jumped out in the moment where she's in the <laughs> bath after her concert, the first concert she had where she she was taping a special and she realized she had a lot of fans that she was famous, and, yeah, right. And she gets home and gets in the bath for her relaxing moment, and that just sort of comes to her. The way the tears sprung to my eyes because, oh. <laughs> because I associate that obviously with the Butterfly album. And I've said it many times on this podcast that the Butterfly album is my favorite album of all time because I associate mm -hmm. it with a point in my childhood where it was the first time I ever truly, really connected to lyrics. Because mm. I'll just I'll just say this flat out right now. So when I was seven, eight years old, is when the music of 
Butterfly started coming out. That was when Honey came out as a single, that, and then it was followed by My All, and the whole Butterfly album that I just sat and drenched myself in. It was the first time I felt like an artist that I was listening to purposely was like really meaning what they were saying and lyrically yeah. and musically, they were alive in what they were doing. And then I went back and listened to everything she had ever done. My dad was actually a fan of hers and we had the music box CD just in the house. Mm. So um, I ended up listening to that. And from there on, like, I think it was around that time that I started realizing that I was different i didn't i don't think i had the words yeah, for yeah. gay i don't think i had the words for queer or whatever but the themes that she explores throughout butterfly of liberating yourself and um you know not for nothing but discovering your sexuality because that was mm -hmm. very much what was happening on that album she talks post a lot about Matola, how post divorce yeah yes exactly once and w during the divorce and as she exited the divorce that was when there was a real commitment to hip-hop in her music and yeah. a real sort of embracing of real sensuality in her lyrics whereas she discusses a lot how her early pop songs were like dream lover and fantasy adult contemporary yeah. and, and i'm talking lyrically the object of her songs being fake people whereas yeah. people that she wasn't writing towards she was, she, she was they were just abstractions yeah yes and so deep in that music that i just felt it in my bones like i i remember i felt the song the roof in my bones i was wow. eight i had no concept of what it felt like to be stifled and then be able to like have a sexual moment with someone or a romantic moment with someone on a roof DJ. as the rain falls but with dj and i just want to say like y'all this is, I actually, the other night, Patrick and Joel were over at the house and I made them listen to The Roof because- Oh, it's beautiful, beautiful song. It's such a genius song, you guys. And like, I made a playlist and uh, I actually made a beginner's playlist of Mariah for those who aren't really lambs who want an entry point. And I made a more intermediate playlist for those that kind of yes. want to delve into her more deep cut stuff. And The Roof is the first track on my other, on my second playlist. But this is down to even the rain hitting her skin and like the physicalization of that when you really match that up with what she's going through, which is a deep discovery of her own sexuality and sensuality, which, as we know, is such a huge part of Mariah Carey. Yes, that was such a moment. And I will never forget discovering that with the door closed when I was eight years old, just mm. like, you know, whatever. But um, it, it means something so much to me. Like the song, My All means so much to me. The song, Butterfly means so much to me. Like, so to have her delve into the creation of that album in such rich detail was a dream for me. Like it was, wow. it was euphoric for me. Like wow. to have her, to have her explain just how these lyrics came to her and those feelings and those emotions. And she so vividly portrayed that night with Derek Jeter. Mm -hmm. She devotes <sighs> a whole chapter in the book to that night. Yes. Yeah. And so, and then, and then that was sort of the source material of the song. And this, this, I mean, I love hearing you talk about this and hearing you talk about the door being closed are you saying mm -hmm. that you touched yourself to that song? No, uh, that was a couple of years before <laughs> I started jacking off. In fact, the first okay. time I ever jacked off, do you want to know what song was playing? Was it Honey, a song about cum? No, it was another song that had come in it. It was, come my lady, come, come my lady. Oh You're my, butterfly, my sugar, God. Baby. It was Butterfly by Crazy Town. Crazy Town. 
and which is so that was funny. A hot, because, that was a hot music video, though. That that music video was hot. Yeah, but I was like, that's when I sexually discovered myself, like a couple years later, and I w- didn't even know I was like gay yet. It was just like whatever. But, but right. what I guess what I'm saying about the um the butterfly album, it was the first time I ever like let myself seep into something that felt like a little bit more adult than I was used to. Sure, and I felt like there is like a weird thing where I associate her self discovery in that album with my own beginning of self-identification as being different. And like, you know, not for nothing, but at the same time, like this is probably something I haven't really talked about on the podcast or really, I don't ever talk about too much, but when I was very young, like, I don't know how it was for you moving around so much and, you know, not speaking the language and, you know, obviously visually appearing to being a different race than the other kids. Like I was, became so aware of my, uh, like an abstract sense I was like aware of my queerness just knew I was different and I yeah, developed yeah. like a real social anxiety like I did it was very hard mm-hmm, for me to make new mm-hmm. friends like I, I was not good at making new friends and um, her music was such a comfort to me at that time like I remember like I was having like a panic I, what I can now realize was panic attacks like when the bus would around the corner to pick me up like a couple times yeah. I even threw up at my bus stop because I was so afraid mm. of not being able to sit with someone or like a couple times when I <laughs> the bus is like raised and I would sort of I thought it would be cool to like get up on the bus fast and I would fall and like just like really stupid shit but like you were just choreographing you just had such anxiety around I had such anxiety around everything around every social interaction yeah. and so her music at that time was like such a big part of my life that mm. like I associate it with comfort in that way and I'll always feel like safe and warm when I'm listening to that album wow and even like the honey imagery like the warmth of that song and like the way it feels like I'll just, and there's so much about, you know, being a kid that doesn't fit in. And because this is really when she starts to tackle her own um, childhood in a way. Yes. Like maybe I grew up a little too soon is the lyric in the, um, in Close My Eyes. And mm-hmm. she describes herself as a wayward child and stuff like that. Like, obviously, I can't compare what I was going through in my childhood to the horrors that she experienced, which yeah. now you know why she identified with the so script like many. Precious. But it, it's, I just, it's always going to be so important to me. Always. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that album was her sort of opening the lid a little bit. I know it's like she makes the whole point of not uh, just abandoning numerals, not really tracking her age. She, she mm-hmm. doesn't mention her her age once. She, like, like, well, she, she, mentions, she mentions her age in like these important developmental moments, but she's not like, I'm 50 now, or, you know, like she, she, mm-hmm. she doesn't speak in those terms. But it's like, from the moment she, you know, moved, like, in earnest was working in music and was trying to make it to the Schenectady show where she was like, oh my God, I'm famous, what? And then yeah. that's like a benchmark, but it was still, but then even, even from that point to her divorcing from Tommy Mottola it's like there is this there she was sort of being held in some like panopticon or she was being like held captive in some way through her family or through her husband or through her labels um her label I should say through Sony Mm -hmm. specifically um and then Virgin but it's like honey you could see you could tell was like the sort of first crack in the like emancipation that would come later you know yeah right 
You know, even in the music video, like she talks, she discusses. Yeah, she escapes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's um doing this James Bond sort of thing. She's mm-hmm. Agent M. And um, so she is, uh, she escapes from this mansion that she's being held in and sheds the little black dress that she always right. had to wear. And, you know, she sort of, in that moment, like literally sheds that skin in the right. pool when she jumps into it and becomes Mariah Carey, mm. like that she would be forever. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and also yes. at that time, it was so interesting because another thing I've been doing is I've been watching a lot of media that she has done throughout the years. And I remember there was two things I heard about Mariah Carey in the very beginning. One, Cause I was like a big Celine Dion fan. Like it was just right. cause the Titanic thing was, she was everywhere as you know. Yeah. Right. Especially from where, from like your yes. perspective, like the French, French Canadian ness of it all. Yes. Um, but she was huge, obviously. And I was like, I've always been like a protective stem. Like even back then, like my mom was like, of you know, Celine you, or Mariah of, of Celine of anybody time. like, oh, okay. like, uh, but yes, but my mother said to me at the time, she was like, you know, if you like Celine Dion so much, you might like Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey is one of my favorites. And I was like, who is that? And she oh. was like, well, she's an amazing singer. And I remember my mother said to me at the time, she does, she does dress a little, you know, like, <laughs> but, you know, but, but she, that was like, that was like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that was like the narrative around her was like, yeah. all of a sudden she was dressing like, quote unquote, like slutty. Um, and she was, um, well, like she, she was like scantily young, clad all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it was just because as she details in the, book like through the first like six seven years of her career she was maybe allowed to show a little bit of cleavage and a little bit of like navel and that was it and this is someone who is deeply in her bones a sexual sensual person and was never allowed to be that to the point where it was physically manifesting in herself how uncomfortable she was all the time i mean that passage where she's with her acting coach Mm, that was crazy but i remember those were the things i had heard about her were like you know she is a little bit you know on the edgy side in terms of how she dresses and she's Uh. got an amazing voice and then i got into her and i just connected with her but this was but your mom was saying this before that was the reputation before butterfly even no 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 no. this was Uh, okay when honey when honey had come out and then like butterfly was happening that's when that's when i first like became conscious of who she really mm-hmm, was. Mm-hmm. And um, then it was like all broke open for me. And there, there was no one who stood, who stood anywhere near her in terms of my own devotion at that point. Sure. And then by the time Rainbow came out, it was like, oh, wow. Like she's fully leaning into this like sex pot. Yes. Image. Like there's just a, f- oh God, there's a song that still holds up um, in like any sort of makeout or sex playlist um, off mm-hmm. of Rainbow that I, that I still use, which is Bliss, which is like six minutes long, and it's just her going, yeah. And that's all the song is, and it's so good, and it's still, it's just timeless. It's timeless. She, this is the thing, and she always talks. She talks about Marilyn Monroe being this inspiration for her, but the the reason why I think, and it's what sort of drives her and motivates her subconsciously in her mm-hmm. art is, she wants to create things that are timeless. Timeless. Yeah. Yes, she's driven by that. In every sense, and like I feel like I think this book itself is timeless. I think I would it, agree. I think it's sort of reshaping the celebrity memoir in a certain way. I mean, I, I mean, it certainly raises the bar. It raises the bar for that for her ilk. Do you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's like definitely. 
it's like, you know, if, if let's say Celine were to write a book, like mm-hmm. it would have to be so, it would have to get so fucking real about the fact that Renee Angelil came onto her when she was 14 years old. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. And I guess that's the thing too, is it's like, I question whether or not Celine would or could get that that's real. Right. And that's for me, right. that's, that's what connects me to Mariah Carey is there's a deep honesty to her that has really always been there. If you look at, her lyrics and because she has been telling her story for years and she's even said a lot of this stuff before, but she's able to spell it out in such explicit detail here that you're right. Does raise the bar for stuff like this because it's so beautifully explored, but you know, and you've, you've, you've like talked about this, like sort of like whatever off, off the air, off, off the record, off the pod. But you're just like, oh no, she's like, she's changed in the last two years. It's since 2018. Mm. Um, and she's been writing this book for two to three years. Um, but because I was going to bring up the fact that four or five years ago, the Mariah Carey of the mid-aughts, or no, no, the mid-teens, whatever you want to call them, yeah. was still pretty cagey about stuff in general was, was very like reactionary to things that would happen to her in the media was very not in control of the narrative, still sort of at the mercy of like the publicist industrial complex, like, you know, like the publicity industrial complex, whatever you want to call it. Something has happened maybe since she like came out with that whole, like I'm bipolar thing, mm-hmm. not to, not to reduce it, but like or she's, since she came out as bipolar yeah. um, a few years ago, since then there's, there's been some shift where she is, being, I think, very radically transparent about. There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. Refreshing bubbles, colorful bottles, and playful smiles galore. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible, and with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. Each sip adds a burst of fun to your day. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on all my favorite shows with. Yes, baby girl. And the resealable bottles makes them easy to take them on the go. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, too, keeping us feeling great all day long. Hey, try new Bubbly Burst. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. 
you'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa credit card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans, like for a car or a home. You know what I love about the Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card? What? There are no annual fees, interest, or credit checks to apply. Yes! You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. Take back your finances. Build credit using your own money. Yeah. Did you know that with Chime Credit Builder that you can get paid up to two days early with direct deposit? I did. You can also overdraft up to $200 without fees with SpotMe when you set up a qualifying direct deposit. Just set up a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for SpotMe, and Chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a credit card purchase or cash withdrawal that exceeds your balance. With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com forward slash culturistas. That's Chime.com forward slash culturistas. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. I think she might be genuinely happy. Yeah. Uh, um, I think that she's very happy with Tanaka. I'm not exactly sure what the nature of their relationship is now, even after reading the book. She just kind of describes him as a beautiful person in her life. And yeah. I'm so happy that she has that and that that was not just some weird thing that was a stunt thing for the docuseries slash reality show that it became the Mariah's right. World moment when she was. That's what I'm talking about. Like, well, she's being badly managed by, by Ms. Stella. So Stella, she's, oh my God. She's I don't out. think so, honey. Stella. Oh, 100%. She's the definition of an I don't think so, honey. A villain in her life. And I'm so a happy villain. that she's gone. But I think that that ha- might have something to do with it. Also, the fact of the matter is, you know, Mariah is very honest in this book. She's not perfect. And no, she, how could you be? She's been through so fucking much. And she's also, and she discusses this a lot in the book, a real victim of that paparazzi culture. Yes, and yes. she re- and, and the fact that she was able to survive that glitter moment when the entire <sighs> world did did want to see her tear torn down because she was there was no one bigger and how juicy is it for someone to fail so spectacularly of right, course, and that right. was at that time when there was no awareness about like what bullying was in that kind of context it was just like mm-hmm. ha ha look at her look stupid now's our chance um that we're all guilty of participating in of but course. i think that someone that's been through something like that doesn't just automatically know how to respond in this way and what I really no. liked, uh, the passage in this book that I really liked was when she discusses seeing Princess die at an event. I was going to bring that up, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have that moment of looking each other in the eyes and they really saw each other. They kind of saw they were both victims of this thing that was paparazzi and media and this this narrative of um, the bigger they are, the harder they must fall. Um, I believe that, yeah. And I think there was a real recognition there. And she says, you know, she wishes that Princess Diana had lived 
to get an Instagram or a Twitter or to be able to have her own voice and to watch what I thought was a really beautiful way of saying it. The people become the press. You know what I mean? Like she maybe would have stood more of a chance if she would have seen that there was an end date. There was an expiration on that culture that even right. Mariah says killed her and uh, and would have killed Mariah had she not, um, you know, had, a t- like, had gotten lucky, to be honest. Sure. I mean, I did get a chill when I um, when I read that part where she was like, social media, for, you know, for all its faults or whatever, has at least rendered tabloids completely meaningless. Yeah. There's no power in them anymore. And and of course, like we've always known them to be ridiculous and terrible, but it's like, oh no, they but there is no like when are you ever going to pick up um an Us Weekly anymore? Yeah, at the, the grocery sun. store. Yeah, exactly. Like, Never this this sun. It's like who fucking cares? And yep. they're all toxic, horrible, septic tank fucking rags anyway. Yeah. But um but it, I mean I did I, I understand what she's saying about the Diana the Diana thing. Um and I do believe her when she felt the moment of connection and it's like, Oh, what a profound moment. And like, absolutely. Like, please say that you have something in common with Princess Diana because you are one of the only people who like at that time could maybe make that claim. But the way, the way, <laughs> the way she worded it, which was, I wish Princess Diana had lived long enough to get I an Instagram was too. funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, it was kind of funny, like to say, like, I, get what you say. I wish she had lived to have an Instagram or to a have Twitter. An Instagram. Like, I, I think I think that she probably read that back and was like, I'm going to run a risk of people saying yeah. like trolling me for this sentence. But no, but no, I it's genuinely not a thing. No, I genuinely believe that it, it's a funny line, but I do think she believes it because I think that ultimately, like she just wishes that someone like that could have had a voice of her own. Of course. So, but let's just kind of I don't know. For context, I guess if it if it matters, like that's still happening with Meghan Markle, still happening in some mm-hmm. way where she is being fucking destroyed by the mm-hmm. British tabloid media. Yeah, well, they're so vicious. I mean, they're terrible. The, if if you think that they're bad in America or have been bad in America, they are out for blood in the UK. Yeah. I mean, it is it is relentless, and they are not happy until someone like really crashes and burns and it's really, really fucking dark. And it's also incredibly racist. And um, that is also at the heart of so many of the attacks that she has faced over the years, Mariah Carey. And I also thought, Mm -hmm. I'm so curious to hear what you thought of, you know, just how huge a part her biracialness played in everything. Like just hearing about how she didn't feel like she belonged with literally anyone throughout her childhood. I believe it. I believe it. And I honestly, in the sense strange, maybe, but looking at the photos that are in the, that are in the book, if you buy Mm -hmm. the hard copy, I look at those photos and I'm like, that's a sad kid. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like that's a sad fucking kid. And I know that sounds like scared kid. It's a scared kid. And I believe I I believe it when and even when she was a teenager, because because you think because if you if you want to like go backwards and try to entrapolate th- and think of Mariah Carey as she was before she was famous, and you you you're also you're picturing maybe some model of like the glamorous version of Mariah Carey that we all know now. Yeah. But it's like you even see these photos of her of her as a teen and she's still like she still seems like a little in her shell and a little sheltered and just like, and she went to beauty school and then she kind of like had fun with her look, but it's still like, yeah, she was, she was holding these terrible, heavy things in her with 
coming from a broken family, just being biracial, having these siblings who were, um, you know, sort of broken in their ways. It it was just really heavy, just really heavy. And, and of course, and the, and the moment that a lot of people have talked about, especially in interviews with her over this um, book releases, um, you know, that moment when she goes to the sleepover in the Hamptons and mm-hmm. these girls lock her in a room and, just chant the n-word at her um, yeah she basically thought she was going to hang out with friends she thought she maybe finally was gonna fit in with this group of white girls that she went to school with and um they didn't they weren't explicitly privy to the fact that she her father was black because mariah we should just say she has a black father she has an yes. irish mother um which presents a lot of very interesting and sort of tragic consequences later um when mariah's mother weaponizes her privilege against her family in many many very crazy ways um Mm -hmm. but i think there was something goes on where um the girls that she's hanging out with find out that she's part black and Mm -hmm. they essentially bum rush her like by hounding her like cornering her in a closet and screaming like the n-word at her traumatizing her for Years and she says she blocked it out until she was writing the book. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And this is I was watching the beginnings of her um, the Oprah conversation on Apple TV Plus. Fabulous interview. I haven't finished it, but Oprah, star of Dear, we love Dear, star of Dear, Oprah, Oprah, and um, like I think like one of the first things they talk about is how Mariah. Well, Oprah's like, you know, you talk, you kind of like air out a lot of the conflicts you've had in your life. And then mm-hmm. Mariah goes, well, I feel like I'm just writing to things where the where someone else drew first blood. And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. that is actually completely correct. And I don't think it's one of those things where it's like, oh, she's framing it like she's being revision, revisionist in whatever way to, to make it seem like she's been victimized her whole life. No, but it's this thing where her family was exploiting her. The industry was exploiting her. I mean, the press, whatever. But it's like, but then, but down to like these like core things where she was, she was experiencing racism, poverty, you know, mm-hmm. divorce and all of these like different dynamics. I don't know. That's just, that, that, that just has to be considered anytime you think about Mariah Carey. I think that Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, another thing that's in the book and, couldn't possibly have been planned for this moment, but couldn't feel more prescient in this moment is oh, yeah. her family's uh, unfortunately repeated experiences where police would come to their host house because mm-hmm. her black father would get into physical altercations with her darker skinned but still biracial brother. And she says in the book that the calling of the police, which often was her mother um, doing mm-hmm. that, would almost always heighten the violence and almost yes. always aggravate the situation because another re- reason I sort of feel like I understand her on a deeper level too is she is from Long Island. Yes, and yes, I can yes. tell you Long Island is extremely segregated. And yeah. I, I can't express this enough. Like people that live there don't really understand that mm-hmm. that's what it is because they think the word segregation and they think people, people, people that live there don't understand what you're saying. I don't think they do. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people that live there and haven't left. I don't think they would use the word segregated yeah, to explain how Long Island is made up. I really don't, but that's exactly what it is. I mean, like wealthier people live in some areas and they're yeah. white and like, then there are the quote unquote, bad areas of te- of Long Island. And this is a mm. way it's said to you as a white kid. And yeah. those are the 
oftentimes it's the inner part of the island. It's the like parts that are not by the water. And those are the, the places where it's mostly black people or people of color. And I don't think that people really understand that live there just how much there of racial division that there is. And so in reading this, I was thinking to myself, like Jesus, like what that must have been like, to live in a predominant, extremely predominantly white yes, yes. place and be the one like mixed race family. It's just, and then the police get called and you've got violent people in the house. And the, the one police officer, she says, said to the other one, it'll be a miracle if this kid survives. And it kind of is. It'll be a miracle if this kid makes it. I think, cause I remember thinking like, oh, what, like that's such an interesting like way of, that's such a whatever, like, linguistic I don't right. know if you want to call it that thing where it's like oh she makes it she survives she makes it she like succeeds as an artist right. um, I think that this this actually this was the moment where her brother pushes her mother as hard her as mother she, into, he can into the against wall. the wall and, he, and her mother just laid there in a slump and there had been a loud crack and he leaves the house and she gets on the phone and calls a family friend and yes. um, she describes it as being in a sort of paralysis and she just mustered enough emotional energy to call the police. And this is just like, th- this is where I say like, hmm. you know, of course she was gravitated to a script like Precious and was so good yes, in a film yes. like that because I don't think anyone really understood the specifics of what her life was of like. Of life, yeah. yeah. No, like I, I, the witnessing of extreme violence like that in your own family, in your own home, the lack of a safe space anywhere has to damage you on a level that is unimaginable. Um, yeah, I mean, I grew up with a lot of fights amongst my parents and that they got violent and physical. And I mean, that's that still stays. And it was nothing, it was nothing quite like what she experienced. Um, but it's still something that like it just it just like exceeds your own body and physical space in the way that like the scar tissue is just there. I cannot imagine. It's true. It etches into you. And for yeah. that to be repeated has to be like God. I mean, yeah. I I have the passage pulled up. Um one of the cops looking down at me but speaking to another cop besides him said, If this kid makes it, it'll be a miracle. And that night I became less of a kid and more of a miracle. Mm. Wow. I mean yeah, if this kid makes it. I was just like, that's so interesting. But, well, because the, the thing is, like, you can't talk about this book without talking about where she came exactly. from. And I was saying, like, how on Long Island, it's we were talking about her biracial identity and, like, how that can't have been a comfortable place to be, like, no. in the early 70s on Long Island. We're being, a, we're, we're being a biracial kid probably was so, so, such an anomaly. Oh, rare as fuck. Also, her, her mother being disowned on Long Island, yeah. For, mm-hmm. for wanting to be with a black yes. man, like all of that, all this sort of shame that was hoisted upon probably every member of the family. Also, you know, Mariah being the closest child of the three to quote-unquote passing, as they say. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The, the resentment that came from her toxic older siblings. yeah. And then, you know, the brother is just a piece of fucking shit. And he ended up becoming a manipulative, toxic person who I couldn't believe was in her life for as long as he was. The sister, Allison, that is a whole fucking can of worms. That's tough. That's tough. Because she, I mean, 
everyone in this story is sympathetic to some level, even even if they're as despicable as Pat, Allison, and, and Morgan. Mm-hmm. I feel like I I feel like I'm sympathetic towards Allison. I feel like I'm sympathetic towards Morgan. I feel like I'm sympathetic towards Mariah's mother. I feel like these are these are like it's like I said like I there there's some Morrison esque quality or there's just some tragic race trauma mm-hmm. in all of this in her family history. I don't I don't know. I mean, it's not as like sort of grandiose maybe in the way that Toni Morrison novels are and sort of sweeping and sort of biblical seeming almost, but it's like. But she she does have she Mariah does pepper in scripture throughout the the memoir. But, she sure um, does, yeah. There's just something. Uh, don't you feel like all of it is just so cinematic, though? Like, oh, it's gonna. I I would see this becoming a miniseries. Oh my at, god! At some I point, absolutely, that. or maybe even like a television series. To be honest with you, yes. like, because there's so much in here. I don't think it could be just a movie, but um, mm, no, no. But um, I I mean. Yes, I would agree. I mean, the thing is, they were all they were all living in that house. They were all having yes. different experiences with that pain and that trauma, and they were all living identities, or they all had identities that were outside the norm of the time. And not one of them had a safe space or a connection or uh, someone to talk to or someone to understand them, because there's so much difference in the five of them living in that family. There was no attempt to understand each other really i think that unfortunately obviously like the what goes unspoken in the book and mariah is up front about not being able to speak for it but Mm -hmm. is whatever happened to allison when she went away with the first guy that she married um she comes back and is a completely different person and that's when she starts exposing mariah to her friends that are drug dealers, exposing Mariah to drugs, giving Mariah drugs. I mean, she gives her a Valium at one point and she passes out at 12 years old and sinks into a couch. She tries to give her cocaine. She leaves her with someone kind of who tries to coerce her into sex work. And yes. And she, she, Mariah as a young girl is alone in a car with a much older man who kiss, who tries to molest her or does molest her and a man sees it and at that point she is like aware of the fact that this was not normal you know but like true tragedy like the stuff that she is mm-hmm. going through in the beginning of this book and you know only with years of hindsight can you even begin to understand and unearth that stuff and you know i'm 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 happy for her that she's been able to do that but jesus christ it must have been hard to relive and write this I mean, maybe like through this process, she's really kind of like solidified her core or something. Because I, because it's funny that she mentions in the book that Caution is her most critically acclaimed album. Mm-hmm. And I kind of am like, oh, yeah, that is interesting. And like, we yeah. like the general consensus around Caution was that it was like one of like, as like a real one of the best albums of 2018, but a solid Mariah Carey album. And even though it didn't have like exactly these, these big like moments, these big sort of like, you know, promotional moments on it it was such a competent body of work just Mm -hmm. contained little like 10 songs yeah 10 songs just like her having fun with r&b with hip-hop her collaborating with like blood orange or dev hines and skrillex and like all these artists um there was just there's just a competence there's a serenity to her now and i think you're right like she with what you were saying earlier and she closes the book on her being happy it's like she is at peace now and i and it, like that that's what gets me emotional and that's what got me emotional when i finished the book even as someone who like i mean mariah has like been the soundtrack to my life in the way that she's been the soundtrack to everyone's lives in, in western culture but i'm just like 
oh, thank God she's happy, you know? Yeah. Like, well, that's, that's something that I love about her now in the past 10 years is she is ex- so funny in her music now. Yeah. Like, GTFO yeah. being the first song on Caution, like, and her kind of putting that out there as, like, a weird, like, faux first single and being like, yeah, why not? Like, it's, like, really a funny song. And it's she funny. is she's so funny in the song Obsessed. From memoirs, obsessed she is, is so funny. She's she ever since emancipation on. She, you can tell like that emancipation also involved like her finally being like, I don't have to just write like longing songs, sad songs, no. ballads, whatever. She is so clever Let me get Jack and funny. McBrayer in a music video, right? And dexterous. Yes, like she is, and like obsessed. I love that the chorus is so long. Like she can't. <laughs> Stop going in on Eminem on that song. Like it's just and she was so doing good. drag. She was doing very good drag in the music video as Eminem. She also has a great reaction when the bus hits Eminem. She is. What's, it's all. It's all that 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 music. That song is all Mean Girls. Oh, it's the best. It's so funny. I love that she's just like. That's the thing too is like, and when you were saying before about like stuff we've said on this podcast about like whatever uh, sort of uh, uh, speculating about what her actual personal life is like, like what's the deal going on with that billionaire she was marrying, like what the fuck happened on New Year's Eve, etc. Part of loving Mariah is having the sense of humor that you think she would have. Yeah. So it's like you're not ever really laughing at her. But it's laughing with her because that's what sort of, you know, gets her through stuff like this. Right. And so I never feel bad about like, quote unquote, having fun at the expense of things that happen to her. Like, because you have to be able to laugh and joke about it because ultimately like glitter was one of the toughest times of her life. Mm -hmm. And that was so depressing for fans of hers that were hardcore fans of hers to watch happen. And now it's like, we can truly laugh about it now because the Lamely has so reclaimed that album. It's now on Spotify. It did go to number one on the charts like a couple years ago when they said justice for glitter. Like now we get to hear specifically about like the way that went down. It's just such an easy story to understand. Like something that a project that starts with substance, it gets noted to death by people who don't care about the project, who only care Uh. about making money. People who want her to fuck up. Tommy Mottola, I'm talking to you. Like, screwing up that project that maybe could have actually been good and isn't necessarily bad. It's not necessarily bad. Right. I I just love that she has the full hindsight closure, whatever on Glitter, especially when she writes about it in this book where she was like, and look, and the fact, no, this is what I'm obsessed with. The mm-hmm. fact that she still stands by the songs on the soundtrack. Well, it's a great fact, album. It's, it's a great album, but she's like, the rest of the world is not going to win by like making fun of this movie and blah, blah, blah. haha. Isn't it such a train wreck? This I stand by the work and the work for me was acting, which I'm very passionate about. And I've like meticulously worked on to improve at. Yeah. And I stand by the songwriting, which, you know, almost 20 years later, eight, however many years later, like was finally, like finally achieved some recognition because of my fans coming together and, yep. and like, and, and achieving a common goal. And I think she makes the case throughout the entire book for some like class consciousness, socialist ideal where the middle manager fucks, the capitalist class fucks who are like the agents, the Tommy Mattols of the world, the record label execs who are like trying to like make money without lifting a fucking finger off of her. Yep. Are like trash. And she's actually out there like being 
the laborer and do and actually like the way we talk about class consciousness is like a, an airline pilot who makes like you know one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year is more likely to support the unionizing efforts of like a working class person who mm-hmm. makes forty thousand because that airline pilot is also technically in the working class because he's he answers to some middle management to some ex, to some capitalist overlord who's just like you do this but i don't have to work but you're the one who's doing the actual legwork mariah is like throughout the entire book focusing on the work laboring Mm -hmm. laboring and finding fulfillment out of it and joy and also speaking to this collectivist thing where amazing things can happen if people just come together the reason why all i want for christmas uh, all i want for christmas is you went to number one on the billboard chart is because my fans came together and did that. It wasn't some promotional thing. It wasn't some like choreographed media thing. It was because a bunch of people were like, the lambs Let's do did this. it again. She says the lambs, the lambs did, did it, it again. again. And that's the thing too, is like um, when it comes to glitter and everything, like it yeah. really has stood the test of time because her fans are always going to watch glitter. Like I'm always going to watch always. glitter. Like, and the always. fact of the matter is like, it sort of disappeared from the public consciousness. I don't know why. It was, obviously it was a huge flop, but I love when she says in the book, like it wasn't that bad. <laughs> and she's right. And also I thought it was so interesting. And here you go, that she really wanted Terrence Howard to be the lead in it. Yeah. And they were like, no, we don't see how that would work, which is basically them saying, like, we don't want a black lead. We don't want you up against up there with a black man like him to be the romantic interest. And then she also says, by the way, I envisioned him in this role before Hustle Hustle and and Flow. Yes. Like she was so ahead of and she still is, I believe, like so ahead of the curve. And it's always, always like people being like, oh no, what are you talking about? This is this is this is a good segue into the ODB of it all. So this is, I yes. think, one of one of her best talents. She's obviously an incredible singer. She's an amazing composer. She's an amazing lyricist. Something that is a talent is yes. understanding the pulse of pop culture better than anyone else. She said mm-hmm. in the early 90s. By the way, anyone who will listen, the way that mainstream music is going, hip hop is going to be huge. I'm telling you. She yeah. says, she said at the time, Matola, he dismissed her. What are you talking about? He didn't understand it. So it couldn't possibly be true. He liked standards. He liked the ballads that she was doing. He understood that type of thing. Then she talks about being at that dinner with a bunch of their associates. Yeah. And she, he asked her, What do you think of Puff Daddy, of Bad Boy Records, of this new movement that was. Uh, P. Diddy at the time, he was just kind of emerging as the super producer. And she's very honest, understanding that in saying her honest opinion, she's sort of defying her husband, who is this extremely powerful man who's gonna who runs her career and her life at home. And she says, this is definitely the way that mainstream music is going mm-hmm, and what he's doing mm-hmm. is very exciting and we should all be paying attention to it. Tommy Motola gets up, makes a huge public scene at the restaurant. And Thanksgiving about is canceled. Thanksgiving is canceled. I just want to say... Thanksgiving is canceled, which is so funny and stupid. So but dumb. this is what I'm saying is it's like it stayed this way throughout the career and remains to this day. Yeah, she still yeah. understands even as a 50 year old woman. Sorry to age her because I know she's 12. That. She's 12. She's 12. She's eternally 12. But she still is making contemporary music that works. Yes. Caution. Yeah. Caution, caution is. <laughs> Excuse me. I just, by the way, we cut out the part where I was choking on wine earlier, guys. Yeah, he um, really, it was, it was a whole moment. It, 
I, I won't get into it, but it, it just came back up and then it got caught. It went down the wrong pipe. You know, I'm relatable sorry. queen, relatable queen. We're talking, no, we shouldn't queen. cut it out because I'll tell you something. This no, honesty, no, it's very Mariah cutting. honest of you. It's very no, Mariah honest. No, I'm being honest about it. And now I get to control the narrative. I don't want people to hear me fucking coughing up this orange wine, honey. Okay, the first part of it can be cut. The second part I love. Thank you. So honest and beautiful. And I like it. I like it Thank as part you. of this. But then, um, but what you were saying about, um, the ODB of it all. That was one of my favorite chapters. One of my favorite chapters. And so like such a, I love that she like blew up Tommy's spot with like, once she got the ODB verse, she like, and got, she's she, like, hurt. flipping out. She's so excited. She, so excited. And like one of the most, like the definitive iconic, like, like rap verse featured rappers yes. on like that kind of, you know, whatever. So, and for it to be Mariah Carey and ODB that no one would have ever thought that no. until that moment. But she was she like, she was like, I, I love Wu Tang. Like, let's do it. But, but for Tommy Mattel to be like, I could, what the fuck is this? I can do this. It's like, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. And, and you can like, you can swim in your stupid sea of like, no, no, they can't take that away from me. Not to like shit on standards, but it's like, who cares? Who cares? Yeah. And like, and then, and then for her, oh my God, obsessed with her talking about the time that Tupac said hi to her at the Grammys oh, and the time that. that Biggie was, Biggie was about to come in for yeah. um, the Honey remix. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. look, she, 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 she got, she was, she, she got admiration from both coasts. What a fucking icon. <laughs> there you go. She, and also, you know, just like that, I loved the writing of the, the part where she finally hears the, um, and in the audiobook, it's great because you actually can hear ODB on it. And you really understand, like, I think someone someone who grew up with that song, like, just that's one of those things you just kind of assume was always there. No. no. Me and Mariah go back like Baby Was a Pacifier. Baby Was a Pacifier. Like, that, that whole thing, even the New York in the house, Brooklyn in the house, et cetera, like all that, like, that is so, and just that whole fantasy remix, that is a moment in contemporary musical time. Like, Truly stars aligning to make a classic. And she had to be flipping out as someone who wanted that so badly yes. to be her thing. And then you hear that. Think about being there. And then unfortunately, she didn't have a fucking husband and musical partner who could appreciate that. That's when she had to know it was over. Totally. I mean, I love in the book, she's like, it's so random that ODB just went, um, I'm a little bit country. I'm, I'm a, a little, little bit, bit rocker. And, and then it's like, baby, like, baby, baby, come on, baby, come on, baby. It's just so, and it just leads so perfectly right into the Mariah vocal. It's like, what a perfect, what a visionary oh, to like yeah. trust that that would work to be, to push for that and be like, no, I'm picking ODB and I'm, and it's going to be like us at like, you know, the carnival or whatever, like the music videos, like them at the carnival or they're whatever. They're at Rye Playland, like, um, yeah. Yeah, they're at Rye Playland. Yes, that's right, the theme park. And so I just admired that vision, maybe not above all else in her artistry, but it's like, it's such an important element to like Mariah Carey, the artist. Yeah. That it's just like, oh, like that's, that's priceless. Like that, that comes along like once in a generation, maybe. I don't yeah. know. And she'd replicate it so many times. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. That's another thing about when you... Well, like, well, we, like with Kanye and with like... With Kanye, with Jay-Z on Heartbreaker, with all these things, you know, like, et cetera, et cetera. She's just done it so many times. Like, and also one of my favorite songs on Caution is The Distance, which she has Ty Dolla Sign on. <gasps> and like, that song is fucking great. And I I would recommend that people revisit Caution. I was just Caution. listening to it. And also, um, 
I mean, I literally, that's another part about this whole last week and a half as I've been reading this and listening to the audiobook. It's only been Mariah music for me. And it's been so nice because I love it so much because it is timeless. And even her more recent albums that do have the more, um, more like sort of frivolous quote unquote content. Like, you know what I mean? Like she's being funny. She's not, it's not super taking itself super seriously. It's still, when you listen to it is like top tier. It really is like, even like me, I am Mariah, the elusive Chanteuse. Like it's got a goofy fucking title. Make it look good. is very good off that track. I mean, yeah, there's, there's like so much good stuff on there. And I think that it it was named something so crazy that people sort of (laughs) wrote it off and maybe it does need another name if I'm to criticize, but, (laughs) but, um, but really it's so good. That's underrated equals MC squared is fucking great. And emancipation of Mimi, emancipation of Mimi, like that is, it's one of the best albums ever. Every song is classic. Every song is classic. I love, I I gasped when she was like, kind of like going through all the tracks, but then she goes, your girl should have been a single. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. Because I've thought this for years. And I had just like, I listened to Emancipation the other week and you and Mm -hmm. I connected. We were like, oh my God, literally sister life, hashtag. Hashtag sister life. I I, I was listening to your girl. I put it on my stories and you're like, literally sister life, hashtag. I forgot how good that song is. Your girl is not a joke. And then she she I does say she's so good. And then like um she says, like, people don't really know how much I love that song. It should have been a single. And I did. I almost crashed my car when I was driving. I was like, yes. But but the thing is about that album is that album was made of hits. Like Stay the Night. Yeah. The song Stay that she wrote with Kanye. That song was epic. Say something I actually think was released as a single, but like a later one, it didn't really hit. But so much stuff on that album. And then obviously <sighs> all the hits she did have, and she of course did the re-release with Don't Forget About Us, which oh, is right. so good. Just that album is, and I that album also means a ton to me because that album came out of 2005. And I remember that that high was school. like that was a freshman moment. year of high school. Yeah. So basically. I think it was freshman freshman year, the summer of freshman year, I was listening to it a lot because I was at a cross country camp. And like I said, it was hard for me to make new friends because I was so anxious. And I just would put my Walkman on, on the buses to like uh, tr- practices and stuff like that. And I would just listen to Emancipation the whole way through, like Shake It Off was slapping so hard at that time. Oh my God. Just like so good and so fun. It's like that. Like, I feel like it's like an up-tempo sort of like, club moment but it really is the the the, the, like um the melody of it is so creative uh we belong together i mean it's such a classic there's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of bubbly bubbly burst refreshing bubbles colorful bottles and playful smiles galore bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible and with no added sugar and low calories there's a lot to smile about each sip adds a burst of fun to your day i don't know about you matt but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on all my favorite shows with Yes, baby girl. And the resealable bottles makes them easy to take them on the go. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support too, keeping us feeling great all day long. Hey, try new Bubbly Burst. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position 
warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Matt Rogers from Las Culturistas. And I'm Bowen Yang. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the U.S.? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out season two of Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. In every episode, hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the lessons of laundry and nurturing a small business and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out season two of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia and Intuit QuickBooks. I think that is track for track my favorite album, my favorite yeah. Mariah album. It's so good. It's so good. But also, this sounds weird, but Caution has a very special place in my heart. Caution like, is so good. As an album that works, that just, I don't know. And I, 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 this sounds weird, but like as an album that is such a clean, confident, like way of like lifting Mariah from 2005 or, yeah, lifting Mariah from 2005 and then like dropping her in 2018 and it's yeah. sort of still retaining that DNA. I'm just like, oh, that's like really fucking impressive that you still made this work like whatever, like 13 years later, you know? It's like, oh, you're, this is timeless. This is timeless. This is like what I'm getting at. It's like, this is this is a timeless, all-time great artist. All-timer. All-timer. The fact that that album was so roundly ignored by the Grammys, like- Caution? Yeah, you're right. It's so pathetic. It's I know. so pathetic. And the fact that she's only won five. Go, I'm sorry. Stupid. Go back and listen to you're gonna give out pop vocal Grammys and you're gonna and fantasy is not rewarded. You're gonna give out pop vocal Grammys and Heartbreaker is not gonna be rewarded, even though the entire end are those three that that, that like laid over those three vocal mm-hmm, tracks, which are mm-hmm, made of hooks. Mm-hmm. Her song, her voice is unbelievable. The fact that she can just decide what verse melody she's going to do and it works mm. at any time. You're going to give out vocal Grammys and only have Mariah have a couple? Fuck you, actually. Up the wow. ass. It's Up- so oh. ridiculous. 
It's crazy. It is. No, you're right. It's you're disrespectful. Right. And the Grammys are canceled. And this is my thing is it's like if Billie Eilish can win in no shade and if she can win in one year what Mariah has in her entire career. 30 years. Get the yeah. fuck out of here. I want to talk about Lover Boy. I want to talk about the J-Lo of it all for just a yeah, second. Yeah, let's chat. I mean, let's do it. You wait, did we, was this did we did we get this on the on the record? You are on you you have a hot take on this? My hot take no, this so before we started, Bowen was saying, you know, because we're listening to the rarities as well, which is fantastic. I love that Great. she sang out here on my own. I love that song. It's such a classic mm-hmm. old Irene Kara song from the Fame soundtrack, which is um she loves Irene recorded Cara. in 2000. She because yeah. she sang it when she was young at a talent show. We were saying Bowen was talking about the lover boy original mix that she was going to do and put on the, it was going to be like the song in glitter. And then Tommy Mottola, because they had been divorced at this point, he was working with Jennifer Lopez. And well, after Mariah had done all of this work on lover boy with the sample that she wanted, he took it and gave it to JLo who was also on the label. And he, he basically was just like, went behind Mariah's back and fucked her up creatively. Full context. Glitter was through, was distributed by Sony. Matola was still working at Sony, was able to see the dailies and was yeah. able to see, or I guess maybe not the dailies, but like the tracks. So like Tommy Matola got got his hands on Lover Boy, which has this yellow light orchestra sample. It's so good. So good. And like Mariah picked handpicked it out herself. Um, I think with Jermaine Dupree, maybe. Um probably. So then first, so Tommy Matola fucked her over twice in this. Mm-hmm. First gives the sample to to JLo's like here record this song um and then it turns out to be i'm real it uses that um sample but it's not the jaw rule remix it's i'm real but it's like really sort of upbeat and peppy and has this disco sample yeah and then when um mariah is is laying down vocals with jaw rule and this duet for the glitter soundtrack tommy matola gets wind of that then tells jlo's people hey gotta put um, j rule on yeah, got put Ja Rule on this. Let's yeah. just remix "I'm Real" with that sample with it with this with that song that has that old Mar- that old sample that I told you guys about. Mm-hmm. So, Mar- of if I was Mariah Carey and my art had been violated like that, yep. and just so nakedly sabotaged in that way, I would I would have ended up in a facility like the way I would I would have been <laughs> yeah. It's it, apoplectic. Like institutionalized. I, yeah. I would, yeah, I, I would have ended up the same place she would have been. Like, you yeah. know, like 100%. And the thing is to also know that she is responsible for and labors over, as you said, that music and to give it to an artist like JLo who knows shade, but is just not... She's not artistically involved musically in that way. It's just not what she does. She does something and different fine. and she does it really well. But... It's it it's it's the lowest blow, especially because he wanted to fuck her up because he wanted to in any way stop the success of an acting project that she had because he was always forbidding her to act to take acting lessons etc. God. So so then we were talking before we started and you were you were kind of saying that you that do that you like this lover boy that that's on the rarities i love this lover boy on the rarities yeah. i i never really like i i mean I, the the lover boy on the glitter soundtrack is fun but you could you could tell it was just like a little too like frankenstein out of like other beats and stuff and it was, there's like three different features on it i was just like hmm. it just felt like it's just like a very chaotic mariah song to me um and it, and it, it always stood out to me that way i was like okay this is not 
I was like, this is not what the original intended work was. Do you know what I'm saying? I always had that suspicion. For me, I'm going to go ahead and agree with Mariah that the ca- that the cameo version of Loverboy is better. Like I do, I actually okay. think that that every the stars aligned here, and we ended up with a better Loverboy. I mean, come as a lover, and we're my sugar daddy. She does that on yeah, but she does. But like, it works with this. Like, don't don't, don't I like the whole cameo thing. Like. I just love it. I just think it's okay. so fun and 80s. And yes, it is chaotic, but that to me makes it like more the genre and more the vibe. Like, I just don't see, I guess like I hear that Loverboy cameo version that we all know. And I feel mm-hmm. like this sounds like a hit song in the movie. Like the movie needed it to be like a hit yeah, song or whatever. Yeah. And like, had it been the other song, it's like a little bit more like down tempo. It's like a little bit more... It just doesn't feel as much like it's suiting the purpose that the Loverboy with Cameo needed to. I still like it. But so the Loverboy Loverboy Cameo version is why did you do that? Like it had to be a successful song <laughs> in the world of the movie. Yeah, that. And the Loverboy original Firecracker mix is um like the cure where it's like it doesn't really <laughs> make sense. Sure. In the film. Okay. That that I will say my hot take is I do love I'm Real with Draw Rule by JLo. And this is the thing. I think it's important to say that it's not Me JLo too. versus Mariah. And it's but like Mariah has every right to like not know JLo ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it's a thing where again, it's this it's some capitalist class motherfucker who's pitting these he, who's pitting these laborers right. against each other. And created conflict and tension where there didn't need to be undermining solidarity between artists yes. and is being like fully neoliberal Margaret Thatcher ass motherfucker and is like pitting these people against each other. The thing about Mariah is she can't help herself. She can't. She has been asked about JLo many times over the past 20 years or whatever. And she's always shady and borderline. She even has got, she even has said things like she's not a singer, et cetera, whatever. But the right. fact of the matter is, that's another reason why we love Mariah. She cannot help herself. When she thinks of a funny, smart thing, she's going to say it, et she's cetera. She's like Lapone. It's like... Yeah, and you can't touch her ultimately at the end of the day. So it's like, for me, I forgive her for anything she's done that's like super shady. And I, but I will say this. She, she, again, could not help herself when she said at the end of that chapter. And at the end of the day, Loverboy was the best-selling single of the year. I'm real. I'm real. I know. I was like, I'm oh real. my God. I mean, but this is the thing, though. I didn't know about all this. I, I like really did like the research after I read that that chapter because I did not know that that was that that was all happening. That was the catalyst, yeah. Honestly, and I even went back and watched like you know the the dumb YouTube videos that are like shadiest Mariah moments. But oh like, yeah, please, so I, fun. I, I I said out loud, it all makes sense. Yeah, it all makes sense now. And yes. we loved we loved J Lo on this pod, of course, but it's also absolutely. Like, I see, I see why Mariah feels this way. Yeah. You know? I mean, so. for me, it's just like, it's so weird that they're so constantly in conflict, like in the media, because they're so different. They yeah, have yeah, nothing yeah. in common. Like, they're, I guess they're the same, sorry, age. Generation. Like, generation. Yeah, yeah. Like, I guess they've been successful through the same periods of time. And I think, honestly, what binds them the most is that people keep fucking needing them to be in the same conversation. No, but they stop. don't. 
That's the thing. Like, I don't think so, honey, doing the Mariah versus JLo of it all because ultimately there's no competition because one of them is extremely talented in one way. One of them is extremely talented in another. You know, exactly. JLo is a dancer and performer and actress. Mariah is a composer and singer and art and musical and artist. actress and actress. And let's talk about the acting a little bit because one yes. thing I loved was the chapter where she talks about when Tommy Mottola finally allowed her to take an acting class. Yeah. And she meets with this very, like, <laughs> very well characterized in the book kind of kooky yeah. acting teacher right. who's, like, draped in fabrics and smells, like, essential oils or whatever and tells her right. to lay on the ground and, like, relax and go to her safe place. And she can't find a safe place. She and she has it. a, she has, like, a real physical breakdown because mm -hmm. she's realizing she doesn't know even how to pretend to feel relaxed and safe. This, to me, was, like, this is someone who has been psychologically tortured. And that's something that I think is like pretty explicitly stated without being without being explicitly stated in the book is like she was psychologically abused for years by Tommy Matola. Years. But her, her her whole life. Her whole fucking life. She did not have a memory of a safe place to go to. I think that was even one of the 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 drilled down layers was the acting teacher was like, okay, but what about like in your past? And she was like, I still like she was she was like, I still don't have that place that I have no memory of feeling safe. Right. How sad is that? You know? Which makes which makes the end of the book when she says she can finally Beautiful. sit down and she has the kids and she's had a nice Christmas because that's another part of the book is her fascination with Christmas is sort of explored and explained because she never had a real family Christmas. She always wanted to have the family have a nice Christmas together but always it erupted in violence or arguing or whatever the fuck. And she in her adult life because she has clung to the inner child which is I think another reason why I love her so is she refuses to lose that and I think it's something that everyone could learn from in some element. She says her fascination with Christmas and the need to be joyful around Christmas and celebrate is because she never had that and so at the end of the book mm. when she's at peace after the concert like I think it was a New Year's concert or something Mm -hmm. And um, she's looking out at every, all of her fans that had been there and the people that have worked with her that have been there and stuff. And she's finally sitting there and everyone's retired to their rooms and the kids are safe and happy. And um, they've had like a festive moment, uh, if you will. Um, she's able to sit there and she's able to have a quiet moment with herself. And she says, I am peaceful. I am complete. Yeah. And that like just gave me, I was just so moved by that. That was very moving. Because it was really it was really hard one because the whole book leads up to that because yeah. the whole book you're sort of held at the point of like you're held at the question of is she has she ever felt happiness like you know I, I don't know that sounds like a little extreme or dramatic well she like, describes that as like it being a difficult thing for her because that she also yeah. talks a lot about how she genuinely believed when she married Tommy Mottola this was a price she had to pay for success that you could not both have success and happiness it didn't exist like it like almost the universe was saying to her we'll give you success you'll never have happiness. Like it right, didn't seem right. like a possibility to her realistically with the way that her, her life was panning out. And she genuinely did believe that she'd be married to Tommy Mottola forever because she thought this is what it is. Like I'll be taken care of. This guy 
does get me musically and we do have that connection it's just that i but won't that be romantically be happy. happy and also it's a, there, an element of that is her not actually understanding what it is to be romantically fulfilled sexually fulfilled you know emotionally fulfilled never so never. it's not like she knew she was missing something you know she just right. thought this is must be the way life is she understood that trade-off or thought she understood it right Right, where she thought that that was the implicit thing. I think that her obsession with Christmas is so, is like, I mean, thank God for that, you know? It's like, it's so, like, we've only reaped the benefits of her obsession with Christmas, I feel. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you hear the song, All I Want for Christmas is You, you feel like Christmas. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's the best Christmas song of all time. I would say, I would say it's, it's got the, you know, it's it's so funny because she did write it so quickly, she says. like It was like mm-hmm. a, an hour and a half or so that she wrote it in. But to me, it's just like, that's so, like, of course, because it is so pure. You know, it's upbeat. It's happy. It's expressing um, a need for connection during Christmas. It, it, it's not about material things. In fact, it's like um, eschewing commercial like pursuits and yes, material things. Yes. It's just about... All I want for Christmas is you, that person that makes me happy. And that's what I, that's what I really want, truly deep down in my heart. And you can, anyone can sing it, even if you're not someone that really celebrates Christmas. Like, I feel like it does have a spirit to it. It's yes. spirited. It's happy. It's jubilant. It is that feeling of Christmas. And it's, to me, I would, I would, th- I would say it is the best Christmas song. <gasps> wow. And there are some fun Things to expect from Matt Rogers and his Christmas music. I can't wait to hear more. No, because it won't be this year, but anyway, yeah. Well, but Um, I mean, things are happening, but maybe not this year. Maybe not this year. Definitely not this year, but anyway, revisiting that later. Um, But yeah, so what was, if you had to say your favorite thing about the, as we sort of, we're now at hour 60, I could talk about this forever. And that's another thing about the book is when it ended, I was so depressed. All oh, I want to no. do is listen to her talk. You know, what was so funny when she does, she very briefly touches on the new year's Eve debacle. And I say debacle because she says, not all debacles are created equal darling in the book, which I loved, but I loved when she said, I, I, it's going to be hard for me to find right now. But basically what she says is like, she likens it to when you're a little kid and you get your eye, you get sand in your eye on the sandbox and then you leave, go on, do your life, become a doctor, like be really successful. Um, we, we, we cut into this. I found, I found the passage. Say the passage. Yeah. You can say, you're obviously going to read it better than I can remember it. Well, she's talking about like the risks of singing in the cold. And she's talking about yes. how Luther Vandross was the first artist to warn me the risk of singing in the cold. There's a certain performance of mine in the bitter cold wearing a sheer bedazzled leotard and eight inch Louboutins at the world's busiest intersection, et cetera, et cetera. To me, it's as if I was a child playing in the sandbox and I got sand in my eye, wept theatrically and caused a scene, then arrived 20 years later at my class reunion after I had after having gone, gotten a PhD and become a celebrated scholar, only have my classmates ask, oh, but how's your eye? I was a lot of things in that fleeting moment in the cold, but I knew one thing, certainly, I was not. I was not broken, not even close. I had been through so much worse. All debacles are not created equal, darling. So she reads that in the audiobook and after she says it's that so but how's fun. your eye she cracks up and they uh-huh. have to cut the take and she starts again it's just so funny and so real and you can tell it really doesn't matter to her no but she i remember it mattered so fucking much to the whole world like no one could stop talking about that for like a week and i was just like shut up like 
And you know what? I don't even know what we said on this podcast at that time. I'm sure we touched on it. But it's like I was saying before. It's like part of loving Mariah is is being able to make jokes about it all, you know? And we've even joked about Bianca as if it's like she like very – she very seriously took – on this like alter ego, but it's like, no, she was, she realized how dumb no, it was. No, she's a goof. She's a goof. She's fun. The fact that she even wrote music, like alternative rock music mm-hmm. sung through Bianca. It's like, what a dedication to your craft for you to like create this fictional character and then like fill her creative life out with her own songs that, that are, that are differentiated from your own. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. That's great. Did you see what I texted you um, about the emancipation of it all? She says, um, um, emancipation was an amazing time and it was an amazing time for my fans. They need to see me succeed. They needed to see me come <laughs> back like that. I agree. That was an amazing moment in that culture. That's one of the best that culture moments in history. Uh, and honestly, I'll never forget how triumphant it felt. Because here's the thing, like through the glitter of it all, I that think I've bad. told this on the podcast, but the day the album came out was 9-11. And she actually talks very vividly about yes. how when she saw the towers fall, she was in that detox rehab center that her brother basically fooled her into going to because mm-hmm. she thought it was a spa. She really didn't need a detox rehab center. She was just exhausted from sleeping two hours and six days during the glitter promotion cycle psycho um but she says that's where she watched the towers fall down and i actually i mean this is true the day of 9-11 and it was scary to live in the tri-state area on 9-11 like that was that was really a very dark day but i had been living for that i remember it was tuesday september 11th this is when music came out on tuesdays i said mom Today after school, we're going to go get Mariah's glitter. You told me that we could. And she was like, yes, of course. And then not an hour and a half later, I'm getting picked up from school early. Like, it's really weird. Like, Mm -hmm, I just mm -hmm, got mm -hmm. there. And my mother was like, we got to go home. There's something happening, et cetera. And that's when, um, you know, an 11-year-old me was sort of realizing what was happening. But I still was like... My security blanket at that time was going to be that album, regardless of any national tragedy. I was like, no, no you will take me to, to, to the CD store to get this album. I was hit in hysterics. And you, you did buy it. She was like, they're going to be closed. I was like, we have to go. So we get there, they're closing. And the people there, the like teens that were working at the store were like, um, we're closing because of 9-11. Like as it was happening, my mother was like, Please, like he won't. They I knew a, they knew to, they knew to call it nine eleven on the day. Huh? No, the, I'm just saying, like, like <laughs> I'm no, kidding, they I'm did, kidding, obviously. I know, yeah, I know, but, I, know, I know. But it was so. They were like, we can't do this right now. And I was just, I yeah. think they saw in my eyes that I was such a gay kid that my mother, my poor mother would <laughs> not. gay kid she, eyes. They knew my mother couldn't deal with 9-11 and me that day if I didn't have Mariah. <laughs> so they said, they said, let's get this little kid. I almost said little fag, and I am going to say little fag. I was the album so that he can not make his mother's life more of a living hell than it already is going to be with all the uncertainty and the W-O-R-L-D. I have a question. Do they have Miss um, Padma Lakshmi, a.k.a. Silk's songs on that album or no? Silk does not appear on the album, but um, I mean... It's so funny. Padma's good in the movie. She goes, she's Padma's just, so good in the movie. She's such a bad singer on the track. Like it's, but on purpose. But she's so perfect in that role. She's oh so good. God. And then there's the moment where like 
they put Mariah on the track instead of Silk, and Terrence Howard looks at Podman and, like nods, and she nods back like, "Yeah, we're gonna get this bitch to sing for me." And it's just so <laughs> funny. Padma Lakshmi is a star, uh, but we knew that. We love um, her. We love her. We love her dearly. Come back, Padma. It's time for you to come, come back. back. We weren't able. We we couldn't. We we were supposed to get Padma back on the show, and then schedules were colliding. Yeah, for Taste the Nation. Um, for Taste the Nation, but um. We'll get her back soon. But anyway, I wanted to ask you uh, what your favorite, if we haven't talked about any, talked about one thing that's your favorite thing about the book, what's your favorite thing? Ooh, um, my favorite thing about the book is honestly her talking about process. I know this sounds so yeah, silly, yeah, but it's yeah. like, when she, she there, there's a part in the book where she lays it out pretty clearly. She's like, this is the way I like to work is I like to yes. um, lay down of like a scratch vocal where, where the lyrics aren't even that complete, but it's just like syllable, syllable, syllables. Then I'll do a lyrics pass after those are down. Then I'll go back and do another vocal track that has the finalized lyrics. And then I'll do background vocals. I'm like, oh my God, we're getting a peek into her her creative like philo- like principle, you know, yeah. it's like that was very special to me. I was like, oh, that's very that that's worth the price of the book alone. Yeah, to me, it was also really fun for her to hear her say like, I like it to be just me and my engineer. If I could do my own thing by myself, I would. Creating the vocals is like a very like almost like she describes it as like almost like sacred, a sacred yeah. process for her, and that is so evident when you are such a fan of hers for so long because her choices are unparalleled like yeah. it, the fact that like the the fact that the way she sings is mainstream is like the way iconic. she sings like the, just like the, her choices and her like riffs and like when she's singing in full voice and head voice and the way she can transition between them and her use of whistle tone and how over the years she's employed the whistle tone in such a different way like how she yeah, layers yeah. it into to tracks like when she's deciding to do it and not do it like that to me was so amazing yes. to hear. And and I, I would say for me, there's two. There, I have another one too, but you go, go, go first. Go, go, go. You go first. Well, my, 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 sorry. My second one is the epilogue yeah. where she's like, if I have one thing to share with the world, it's, and I, the sounds corny as hell, I know, but it's yeah. something that I needed to hear this week. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, if there's one thing I can tell the world, it's to never give up on your dreams and no mother, no mother, yes. father, sister, brother, you know, like manager, person, cousin, friend, fake friend, chicken president. with a phone, chick, chick, and then she ends on chicken with a keyboard, chicken with a keyboard. Can can like can like take ever take that away from you from from things that you've like built yourself? And I was like, fuck yes, mm-hmm. because I got to tell you, I am off the fucking wagon with like my discipline around like not looking at you know the comments and whatever. I'm like, yeah, fully back because there's nothing else to do now, and I'm just mm-hmm. scrolling. And I'm like kind of letting it hit me and I'm talking about it in therapy. We'll work through it, but I'm just like, oh fuck. Like this is something I have to like fix pretty soon. But her yeah. saying that was helpful to me. So I love the epilogue. The girls were, have been pretty fucking mean to me over the past two weeks too. I don't, I don't know what's in the water, but the, I got the, we got the, I got the nastiest review on the podcast app. It was so, it was so baseless and fucked up and aggressive. And I was just like, it really nailed me and actually really ruined my mood when we were right before we got on the episode last week. And, and we talked about this off, off the record after we finished recording. I, and I know reader, it sounds kind of, you know, frivolous and we're on our little perch when we sort of complain about this shit, but like, it hurts my feelings. (laughs) It's, it will, it, it fucking like rots your soul in a way. And, and, um, 
it's a matter of scale in some cases. And Matt, like after Hot Dog came out, Matt and I were drunkenly FaceTiming and we were, we like confided in each other about this. But it's like, there's, I don't know, there's, there, there's like, a, there's a certain like unnecessarily toxic thing to all this. And like, I, I, I'm, we're still, we're still at that place in the culture where we're figuring out how to move past it. And I think there is progress and there is some empathy that we're all practicing towards each other with, with, with this. And, and no matter what your station is in life, we're all sort of trying to understand each other better. But this is something that like I am working through on a very deeply personal level. It's like the one thing that is truly ruining my life right now. Yeah. It's real. And I feel bad because like, I, I, I constantly think like, and this is another element of it that I hate, but like, just so just to say this, like, when I when I think about the way that I'm dealing with the way I'm getting it, and most people are so sweet and so nice, but yes. then there'll be like that one little comment about like the fuck this like this host uh, is like too much or whatever, and like like they they're so much meaner than that, like it's so so crazy, and then like they'll and I think about what you must get and on the scale you must get it, and then I feel stupid for feeling bad, but then I'm no, like no no, no actually no, no. no, and then but that's also an element of this is like. Please stop comparing Bowen and I, like if you just say this. What are you? If if you if you love Bowen, I I agree with you. I do too. But he he would hate it if he heard you talk about the way if you talk about me the way that you do. He this way would not endear you to him at all to say that I am bad. And if you think that you're impressing me by saying anything negative about Bowen Yang, you couldn't be you could not be more wrong. That like is it when I take any attack on Bowen as attack on me. Like that's personal to me. I was gonna say an attack on you is an attack on me. I mean, our, if our readers don't know by now, if you if you listen to this podcast and don't know that I and I tell Matt this on too regular of a basis that I think he is the smartest, funniest. This is my like, ride or quickest die, bitch. person. I'm like, <laughs> this is my I, ride Matt or die. Is, Matt Matt checks off so many superlatives for me, and I love him so so deeply, like a sister, like a brother, a sibling. If just don't don't even bring that. Don't present that to me like a fucking offering, okay? And likewise for me, it's just like any any anything against Bo and Yang is you getting smacked. And like I'm serious, I the only way I would get physical, Rico I think, nasty smack a bitch. I will smack you. I will smack you in the face if you come for Bowen. I really will. I'll hit you. And that's I'll hit that's, you. That's me. That's a threat. That's that's not a threat. It's a fact. Step off. And also, don't listen to the podcast if you don't like one of the hosts. We're 50% of it. You motherfucker. Put your fucking dukes up. I will fucking... It will take such little Bone and I will throw hands to destroy you. We will throw hands. We'll throw hands. See me with them hands. See me with them hands. Come see me with them hands. Come see chance. me with them hands. Per anyway, back to the to positivity dream. around this book. Okay, what was your? what were your favorite moments of the book? I have so many. So basically, there's the Divas chapter... Where she, oh and she my God. There, there's like a solid six pages. She shades Celine. So I'm gonna get to that in my I don't think so, honey. So um there's like a solid six pages of this book that is all just adulation for um Aretha Franklin, which is yes. so deserved. And also we should say Mariah's impression of Aretha is so, so funny. Good. I it's was gonna so bring up the good. impressions and Diana Ross. Mariah, they're playing games. <laughs> and then when she's like, Why are they playing games? Why can't they turn the fucking air off? And she's like gets so animated, and then she goes, I was dying. 
Um, Mariah, she's just so good. So I love the whole Divas, the whole Diva yes. section. I loved hearing about her time with Whitney. I, I just, <gasps> I loved it so much because again, that was like the machine around them being like, whoop, they're not going to like each other. They're not going to like each other. Let's like, you know, prepare them for this, but also fan the fires and then for them to connect and compliment each other in such a way. Yes. And she said, you know, Britney was the princess of all vocalists. You know, she was born yes. into almost royalty in terms of singing. Mariah yeah. is a craftsman and a laborer in terms of like composition. And she's, they're both incredible singers, et cetera, but they're so different and how they complimented each other and the laughs that they had and the mm -hmm. time they shared together. You could tell it meant so much to Mariah and there's so much love in that. And um, ultimately, and I'll also just give an honorable mention to, she says, a few good words about a few good men. And there's oh, like yeah. beautiful tri little tributes to Stevie Wonder like and Nelson Prince Mandela. and Nelson Mandela and, um, you know, those all those gentlemen. But I think my favorite thing um, in the book is one that's something that's been talked about so much, which is the Derek Jeter of it all. I mean, I think that I their, their, their connection over their shared, shared uh, identity and their the way that they first flirted and talked to each other like they were the only people in the room, but she kind of <sighs> woke up in that moment. And the way that translated to her music, I almost like feel thankful that that meeting happened because it Me created too. the whole first half, at least, of Butterfly. Um, you know, track one through five or six, you could pretty much argue is all about that about Derek, relationship, DJ. that however brief. But... um. You know, I, I was also a huge fan of his at the time because yes, um, you were a he, baseball boy. I was. I was really into it. And so the fact that they were dating and now I get to like hear about the specifics of it, them meeting at this like private Armani runway show and then like how cool it was and how galvanized she was by the conversation. The people her age, smart people her age of all different races talking about race mm -hmm. for the first time. Seeing a family, seeing a family like his yes. be loving and that was very emotional for yeah, me. Yeah, she realized that it wasn't her 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 biracial identity that was creating problems. It was the people in her family that were creating yes. problems. And to yes. see a possibility of a loving family that looked like her really changed things for her. And I think that that relationship obviously is so crucial in her development as a human being. And I just, everything about it, like the way she felt awake sexually for the first time. I just love that she really went there with that chapter yeah. and it created my favorite music of hers. It's just such a vividly painted, illustrated like thing. And like, it's one of those, like, honestly, like it's one of those things where it's like, that's love. That is love. Yeah. 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 Like those, like the the conversations with the people who who do make you feel like there's no one else in the room, like that is huge. And I'm yeah. horny, and I'm horny for it. It, I mean, it was such a horny moment in the book, and also the way that they were like sneaking her into that like pizza parlor. She went out the back and like whatever, like and like just that sneakiness. Like it was so tense, you know. Like that part of the book was so. Yes. like it was and then she gets home and she's like drenched and she was so thankful that tommy wasn't there to see her was so wet because she would have had to explain why she was wet like the whole fact of the matter that she, that she had like um surveillance in every room in her house except the bathroom and the only place she could find solace was the bathtub like come Terrible. on like that the fact that she was living like that and then when she talks about um God, I could talk about this forever. Just like getting fries with the brat. That like and that whole going to Burger moment. King. Yes. When you go to Burger King next time, reader, you better appreciate the freedom you have 
to go to Burger King. Mariah fries. Mariah fries. Um, but but and then the la- the other thing was um I was really moved by um and the song is sort of like um it's so uh not a basic song but it's just like it's so for Tiro. the masses yes it's so yeah. commercial and for the masses that I don't think it gets credit but it really means something to so many people it's a beautiful um, song it's a beautiful song um but I loved hearing about the uh, creation of Hero, how it just kind of came to her in the hallway and um, mm-hmm. how it was originally for Gloria Stefan. And then she performed it live at that concert in Schenectady for the very first time. And she felt mm-hmm. that she really connected with her fans who she realized she had in that moment. And right. um, that whole section I thought was was really terrific. Yeah. I think she's one of those artists. L- listen, we're talking about 30 years. She's had number ones for four decades in a row. Um, obviously in a row, but it's this thing where it's like, I feel like she has these seasons in her career that like are so distinct yeah, and are marked by struggle. Yes. But it's like, she, it's the book is a triumph. It, it, the book like sort of like tenses you up as you read it. But I, like, it's like, it's like by the time you get to that last chapter, it's it's triumphant. It's like, oh my God, thank God she's happy. Totally. You know? Yeah. I'm actually deciding yeah. in this moment that I don't want to go negative on this one part because I do think it was a cultural thing that Celine Dion didn't know. That I she think wasn't it was a cultural thing. Yeah, I, don't, I think yeah, Celine yeah, yeah, is just yeah. goof aloof and she just didn't know that she, she wasn't supposed it. to challenge Aretha Franklin in that moment. And for Mariah Carey, someone who idolized her and, you know, is a black woman like she she had to look at that happen and be like i'm mortified this is happening and then patty labelle afterwards being like i would have smacked you upside the head had you done what that child did like <laughs> you you like that was wrong patty but but like i can't be reading i can't be reading selena about it no, she didn't know I mean, any better and i don't think it cared. no 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 but i'm gonna do something else i have a good i have another good i don't think so okay good if, but if you watch back I went back and watched it, and I feel like Aretha was just having fun. It didn't seem like Aretha was like that ghastly. Like, was that like mortified? Or no, whatever, I think it know? was more just everyone around her who who of course who Mariah their... was visibly uncomfortable. Yes. Well, and, and Mariah has the reverence. She talks about how you know when she first met her, she got down on her knee and said like, "I want to thank you for everything you've done. My name is Mariah, etc." And then Aretha said later, "Mariah, you have good manners." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, that which was um, a part I really liked, and she's like, "That's what the other girls don't have manners." And I think that informed the way she looked at that moment. Was yes, she of knew course. that it was important. The decorum of it all was important to Aretha, and for Celine to challenge her, that was just against Mariah's moral code. It wasn't respectable. I get it. Um, I do want. I what I thought was missing in the book was the moment where Donna Summer backed out the night of for this like for this other divas show that was supposed to have Diana and was it an, another divas show? But it was I don't know show. what it was, but it, it's in the book that it was supposed to be a trio between Donna Summer, Diana Ross and Mariah. And then Donna Summer came to rehearsal and then was like and all left. of a sudden not doing it anymore. And no one knows why. I don't know about that Donna Summer. I mean, we love her music, but she was very homophobic in the end. And you know, we that we just have to we just have to put that out there. But we love okay. on the radio. We love Last Dance. We love um, you know all the bops. So it might be time. It might be time for I don't think so, honey. And we are doing Mariah centric. I don't think so, honey. This being a Mariah centric episode, an episode I have so enjoyed as I enjoyed this book. I and, and loved I've, this episode. Just like going back and listening to all her music, I can't recommend enough. I'll, I'll repost those playlists too. I'm going to make yes. more because I really enjoy doing it. But I have one. 
Okay, this is Matt Rogers. I don't think so, honey. His time starts now. I don't think so, honey. Anyone sleeping on the album Charm Bracelet. Okay, you don't oh, have to understand. Even though this was the album that was after Glitter and before Emancipation, this album has bops. Okay, Boy, I Need You with Cameron. This is a bop. Through the Rain, the way that Mariah sings that, if you don't respect that, I don't think so, honey. <laughs> if you're not off book on that song as a gay person, as a queer person, I don't think so, honey, on this mm. hashtag national coming out day. You need to come out as a stand of Charm bracelet i know it was a few days ago but recording on the day 30 let me just say some songs that are on here that are fucking slays yours okay the song clown which was her first time that she came for eminem clown is an unbelievable song you all need to listen to clown and if you don't i don't think so honey also the the cover of bring it on the heartbreak is it the song subtle invitation is it the one of the last songs is the last song actually is Sunflowers for Alfred Roy, which is a gorgeous tribute to her uh, father who passed. Five seconds. Beautiful. Please stand, Charm Bracelet. Listen to Charm Bracelet. If you don't, I don't think so, honey. You're not a lamb. And that's one minute. Don't be calling yourself a lamb and not be, r- r- not be including Charm Bracelet into the conversation. Beautiful. Now, do you think Mariah's art pop is Charm Bracelet or Memoirs of an Imperfect Angel? I think probably her, char- her art pop is probably Me, I Am Mariah, the Elusive Chanteuse. But I feel like if it's her art pop, it's the underappreciated album that okay. has 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 like has like um you know like sort of a hindsight value. Then I think it's tied between Me I Am Mariah the Elusive Chanteuse and Charm Bracelet because I think Memoir Memoirs has respect. Like Memoirs spawned a hit song. Obsessed was a huge hit. Obsessed song. was huge, but that was but that was kind of it though, right? And there was Up on My mm. Face was a moment. Well, and uh, by the way, I watched that Up on My Face video again, like you said last week. It's crazy how much fun they're having together. They're having so much. I told that's what I said last week. It's like they're genuinely they're not faking it. They're enjoying each other's company. You would never be able to tell me that that would become the feud that it did. And also notice that's not in the book at all. She doesn't even I mention know. that she there's not even the words American Idol even uttered. Cause who fucking cares? Yeah. I don't want to I I I was thinking like, oh, there are intentional things that aren't mentioned. Like, I guess I I mean the entire time I was like, when's she gonna talk about Nick Cannon? And then she, I feel like that she she devotes like three paragraphs to it or something. And I'm like, well, right. she, she goes into the Nick Cannon stuff and you get the, she's got like a, that was like a real love. And, and I, I always questioned, I was like, they're in each other's lives still. They're, yeah. they're like, yeah. I was always like Mariah and Nick Cannon. I wonder what, what that really is. And I think that she says it as plainly as she can. Like she was really unaware of who he was because she didn't watch TV. She didn't know all of his nineties relevance. And then mm-hmm. he, she met him and he was fun. He was hot yeah. and fun. And he wanted yeah. to have kids with her and he was obsessed with her. So you meet someone hot, fun, who's obsessed with you and wants a future, you'd be hard pressed not to marry Nick Cannon. If Nick Cannon wanted wanted to marry me, I would be like, yes. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Also, I thought it was interesting that she was like originally Nick Cannon was gonna be in the Touch My Body video and we thought he I couldn't know. be a nerd. I was like, I think he would have been a great nerd. He would have been a great nerd. He he was he like he's a sketch performer. He can do it. Yeah, hot nerd culture is culture. Hot nerd culture is culture. E equals MC squared also is terrific. Um, I mean, emancipation is a fucking moment. Then you got, I mean, glitter might be Mariah's art pop. Sure. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. You're right. You're right. And then the other ones are just all kind of critically acclaimed masterpieces. Great. All right. So the thing is, after I do my, I don't think so, honey, what will happen is Bowen will do his, I don't think so, honey. And if he's ready, I can start the clock. Mm, yeah I think I'm ready okay well that means I will start the clock Bowen Yang's I don't think so honey time starts now 
I don't think so, honey. Marshall Mathers, nope. Eminem, stupid clown, bitch, clown, dumbass, toxic whore. Mm-hmm. You are Eminem, and there's a reason why. Why are you so obsessed with her, boy? I want to know. Mm-hmm. You have been harassing this poor woman ever since you wanted. You decided to get in your dumb little ideation machine that you call your brain that you wanted to fuck her. And she was like, mm, no. 30 like, seconds. Stop it. You have other options out there, Marshall. You don't have to fuck Mariah Carey. You don't have to show up at the Oscars in 2020 out of nowhere and mm-hmm. perform and and do a Lose Yourself. It's a great song. It's Ugh, maybe your only seconds. one good cultural contribution. Stan, I don't care for. I don't even... Uh, the die. I see. I don't even know. Real slim shady. I'm, 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 I'm going to get into this after the, my minutes up. But first of all, I don't think so, honey. Eminem. Okay, my minutes up. That's one minute. Do we care about Eminem's contribution to hip hop? Let's just say to hip hop. Look me in the eyes. Yes. No. As 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 lovers of hip hop, you and I, I don't fucking care for Marshall Mathers at all. It's. I, I just think. He came along at the exact right time where we would have fucking even allowed someone but like him to get as far love as him. Yeah, well, you know what? Those people are very ill and they need a lot of help, and I'm willing to pay to help them get the help that they need. No, Actually, I'll, I'll do a I'll do a scholarship every year at my high school. Find the person that still likes Eminem and give them six hundred dollars. How about that? That's all. I'll, I'll pay that? that for the rest of my life. I'm willing to do a scholarship to help young kids that think that Eminem Actually, is the I way would, to go. I would I would start this scholarship with you. We should can, start the scholarship. Can can you do can we each do let's just each do 500 yeah. for e- each of our high schools? Does that work? So it's so it's, a, yeah. so it's a, we each we each pay 1000 total. Is yeah. that okay? So basically it's like the, a, we, a teacher that we trust at the school finds the kid that looks yes. like they might like Eminem and give them the money to get, get the help that they need. To get the help that they need, which is... If you like Eminem, you need to get the help you need. It's actually Rule of Culture number 104. If you, if like, you Eminem, like Eminem, you need you to get need the help to that get you need. The help you need. Sweetie. Well, if it's a scholarship, then it has to be that, we, that that goes towards their schooling. Literally, I don't think so, honey. Eminem, you need an education if you like him rancid i don't know why we even i feel like eminem is like a squatter in our brains well you know first of all i'll tell you why we even give a fuck is because he came along because a of time, eight mile n- well no it was it was it was fucking before that basically like homophobia doug, was hot cool. engineer doug sends i'll lie for the 500 dollars. it's a thousand doug it's a thousand doug no so basically like Homophobia, homophobia was, cool. was cool. And so he came along and made his whole thing homophobia and misogyny. And like c- the culture couldn't have been more toxic at that point because it was post like the Clinton impe- Clinton impeachment. Everyone hated women. Hillary was the biggest punching bag. This is at that time. Like it was just so fucking cool to hate women. And the fact that he took misogyny and violence against women and homophobia so fucking far and made a, made such a huge fortune on it, he should be fucking ashamed for the rest of his life. And if yeah. you think that there aren't legions of men who hit their girlfriends because they thought it was cool because they heard Eminem did it, you got another fucking thing coming. And it's disgusting. And he's the worst thing that's come out of American culture. Oh! Pop culture. And now he's fucking with Mariah Carey. You, She's not fit to shine her shoes. Wow. Damn. Damn. damn I'm damn. so happy you did that. Hashtag Thank sister you. life. Hashtag, no, literally sister literally life. Literally sister life. 
Hashtag after. Fuck him. And I used to think he was I used to think he was hot too, which is so toxic. No, no, no. He's got a fucking no. fat ass. He'd be a superstar bottom if you put his mind to it. He really would. Why don't you tell that to Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi? While there we're we go. At yeah, it. why don't we throw decorum out the window, <laughs> Chuck and Nancy? Let's fucking Chuck and Nancy. Let, let's let's get a little dirty here. Why not? Let's play dirty. Um, okay, so so a Ooh. few things before we close out. I just want to say I loved this episode so much. What a treat. I love a book club. I know it's Matt, and I don't want this to be part of the narrative that you don't read too many books. I don't I like love... this bit anymore. It's such a bad bit. It's such a bad bit. I don't like the bit anymore. Like, because it's because A, it's not true. B, not we true. lean into it because it it helps with the dichotomy with you and I. But now I have people like actually in my DNM DNMs. I as I try to make we're, a case we're, for my we're own a intelligence. Tipsy. Yeah, we're a little tipsy. I have people in my DMs now treating me like I'm dumb and like trying to do bits of me like I'm stupid. First of all, you don't know me like that. Get out of my DM. Second of all, like I'm so I, I, it's not I'm I'm I don't not read. So I just love a book club. I think we can do this um, with a book that sort of strikes our interest in the future. I would love that. Let's do that. It's going to get us away from this narrative. Has to come organically, I think. Yeah. Another thing we should talk about is we're going to go a few ep- a few more episodes than normal that are just me and Matt for a bit. And then we'll every now and then we'll bring in a guest. But this is sort of the dynamic for now in the short term, just because our schedules are kind of crazy now. Um, it's harder for us to find times that work uh, for just between me and Matt in the first place. But then to figure out a, a, a guest schedule into that is also a little yeah. bit of um, an outside factor. So it's actually what ex- is exciting for us right now. Like, you yes. know, Bowen and I feel like we can be Bowen and I sometimes when it's just the two of us, not that we haven't ever been like ourselves and having a blast when we have any guests. It's just, we want to do this for a little while and we've been hearing you guys and you guys seem to like these episodes with just Bo and I. So we're down for it. So yes, but we'll still bring in guests every now and then. <laughs> yeah. And it'll be great. Um, But yeah, so we're excited about that and we're excited about this app and we're excited about each other. and uh that's really number one um wow i love this and you gotta read the meaning of mariah carey i mean and also shout out to andy cohen books that that published this oh yeah did you know that she thanks him in the acknowledgements well she was on watch what happens live on the same week as you what an honor what an honor to share the same air segment as her yeah in in one week uh Please, better yet, even listen to the audiobook. I feel like it's really one of those experiences that is enriched by the sort of sound, the sounds of her reading. She it. has changed the game for audiobooks for sure. I agree. I agree. She better win a Grammy for that. I would imagine. All right. So this has been Lost Colch, and we are, of course, going to take it out with a song. Why are you so Why are you obsessed, obsessed with, with me? me? Boy, I want to know. Lying that you're sexing me when everybody, everybody knows. knows It's clear that you're upset with me No, funny but I got that you got an impress Last man on the earth still wouldn't get this You're delusional, you're delusional Why you're losing your mind It's confusing, y'all, you're confused, you know Why you wasting your time The way Mariah said, let me write along for us See right through you like you're bathing in Windex Oh, 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 oh. The Boy, way she why used so Windex with me? in the chorus. Ugh. The way that Windex is a lyric in her the chorus. The way that Windex figured in as the prominent lyric in the chorus. I can't. 
she just watched my Big Fat Greek Wedding and was like, I'm writing Windex into this song. She said Windex writes. Windex writes. Okay, bye. <laughs> There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. It's bursting with fruit flavor, no added sugar, and all smiles. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible. And with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on my favorite shows with. Yes, Lil Bowen. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, keeping me feeling great all day long. You deserve that. Try new Bubbly Burst. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.